of primarily female artists, but also a wide range of avant-garde musicians, the fruit of post-punk, experimental, and fringe music. Your eyes are set on stone. I love to see you shine, cause you really blow my mind. Rare Pair Radio, Friday at 8 p.m. I'm Maria Hinojosa, this week on Latino USA, a close look at the animated Latina icon, Dora the Explorer. We dive into what propelled her rise to preschool programming dominance. This idea of not building barriers gave extra meaning and heart and urgency to the mission of the show. That's this week on Latino USA. Thursday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolp. And it is Wednesday. That means we'll have the latest on jobs and the economy around our listening area, around the country, around the world. With James B. Huntington on Work Shift Live coming up in the second half of the program. And if we have time, maybe we'll get an update on what the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, outlined in her first executive budget rollout today. But before we even have the potential of checking that out, we have to talk to Liam Mayo, award-winning reporter of the award-winning River Reporter, because it's our weekly news roundup with the River Reporter. Liam, welcome back to the air. Thanks for having me back. So, um... I guess you have news from Lieutenant Governor Delgado holding a press conference in Hancock. Is that Han- that must be Hancock, New York, uh, out there in Delaware County? What was that about? Yeah. Um, so uh, Delgado was in um, Hancock, which was part of his old congressional district, um, to unveil a set of charging stations that are were put there as part of the Evolve New York initiative. Um, that initiative is an initiative from the New York Power Authority, and its goal is to eliminate um, sort of charging deserts for electric vehicles traveling throughout the state. Um, it's one of the necessary things that's going to need to happen for more electric vehicles to get on the roads, because if you think about it, the way gas-powered cars work today, um, you can kind of go anywhere and assume that there was are going to be gas stations to fuel you. Um, but you don't have that same guarantee with electric vehicles. So what this Evolved New York um, initiative is, is specifically putting charging stations very strategically across New York State um, along major thoroughfares. And the one in Hancock is along 17, um, Route 17, I believe. Yeah. Um, and at the press conference, people were saying that a lot of people already sort of stop off in Hancock as a natural, uh, midway between, uh, the city and parts to the west of, of New York state. So, um, having electric vehicle charging stations there, uh, gives those travelers an easy way to stop, refuel their cars, um, with electric power and sort of be back on their way. 
All right. The first uh, EV station in Hancock, New York. I can I go to Hancock sometimes. I could try checking it out, but I don't have anything that needs charging yet. But one day, one day maybe. Um, well, one day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, town of Bethel kicking off its comprehensive planning process as they prepare to discuss new regulations for short-term rentals. What does this mean for residents? And is this is this about you know Airbnb type rentals? Is that what they're talking about here? Yeah. So um, these are going to be two sort of different initiatives that the town of Bethel is kicking off. Um, there are some towns. Cushecton uh, right now is kind of doing its comprehensive plan and Airbnbs. At the same time, um, for a comprehensive plan is sort of the document that lays out a town's goals and undermines a lot of its land use regulations. So um, if you're updating that comprehensive plan to take into account some of the uh, most recent developments in the landscape around the towns, which Bethel is starting to do now, um, Airbnbs are going to be one of those major regulations, um, but Bethel is not um, doing its Airbnb regulations as part of a process of its comprehensive plan. It's sort of doing that a little bit first. So uh, these were both announced last week at the Bethel Town Board meeting, I believe. Um, and what it's going to be is uh, Bethel... Um, over the next couple of weeks is going to be working on its Airbnb regulations, um, including a permitting process for such Airbnbs, uh, sort of tentatively. It's in very much draft form right now. And then separately, it received a grant to start work on updating its comprehensive plan. And that will be a much longer process that kind of goes, I would imagine, throughout the year. It's sort of an extensive document that is going to require a lot of public comment and a lot of engagement from uh, the people of Bethel to make sure the town's goals and visions are uh, being reflected in it. All right. And finally, um, this is a story that I, I mentioned haphazardly on air last night without the accurate information in front of me. I don't know where I heard about this in the past week, but I know the Sullivan County Legislature is talking about uh, the county's trash. And the, the thing I think that I, you need to explain to people first, or I, I was trying to explain to people, is that not only is are we not putting trash in the Sullivan County landfill, they're not preparing for that landfill to fill up. They're they're anticipating the Seneca Meadows landfill is going to close. That's where we're currently sending our trash. So now we're kind of looking for like a plan C for Sullivan County's solid waste. What's the latest on this, Liam? Yeah, so as you very well put it, um, the Seneca Meadows landfill, which is the one where Sullivan County is currently shipping its trash, is due to close in 2025 or due to stop accepting new trash in 2025. It's trying to get an extension from the DEC to sort of allow it to keep operating past that date. Um, but that's not something that can be counted on at this time. And so Sullivan County needs to figure out something to do with its trash. And there is the possibility of finding another landfill sort of further out of state to do it. Um, but not only would that be more expensive, but like the world as a whole is kind of catching on to the idea that taking millions of tons of trash and just kind of putting it all in one spot and letting it rot isn't 
a great idea for the environment and just for us as a planet. Um, and Sullivan County is also kind of catching up on that. So, um, or the Sullivan County legislature is acknowledging that and is trying to look for alternatives that don't involve just finding another landfill to kick the can a little further down the road. Um, and those negotiations or those discussions are in pretty preliminary form at this point. A lot of options are on the table, some like a little more on the table than others. Um, there's some mention of like incinerating garbage, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of enthusiasm for that idea. Um, and uh, other possibilities include stuff like composting, stuff like um, better recycling processes. Um, so just really everything is on the table at this point. Um, but the specific thing I'd want to mention is the legislature is going to try and get public input on that process. And I believe they have scheduled a public hearing for Thursday, February 16 at 10.45 a.m. to sort of start the process of getting a little bit of public input on this. Okay, so that's coming up in, in a couple of weeks. Sounds like there aren't a lot of uh, options, though, so it'll be interesting to see what the input is. Yeah, well, I, th I think there are uh, a fairly wide range of options. Um, I'm not admittedly super familiar with all of them at this point, or at least all of the ones that the county is considering. Um, but I think I think a bigger difficulty is a lot of these options require... Uh, changing the way we think about trash, like to do different things with it other than putting it in just a landfill um, will kind of necessitate a different process a little bit. Like if you're going to do more with composting, you need to make sure that that compost is separated from the things that can't be composted and needs to sort of actually. Hey, Tim. Oh, I'm sorry for yelling like that. Sorry about that, Liam. Uh, <laughs> no worries. I thought my microphone was off. Um, no worries. Okay, uh, and that's coming up on the 16th. That's just in a couple weeks. Yes, uh, that is. Um, but, yeah, and, and the county will be thinking about this for a while. So, um, yeah. Okay, well, thanks. Stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> thanks for joining us. I'm going to have to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll be doing Workshift Live. Liam Mayo, River Reporter, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. This is Rosie Starr, host of Farm and Country. Join us Saturday mornings at 11 for WJFF's locally produced radio show relating to life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. Tune in to 90.5 FM, stream us live, or listen to the archive on our website, wjffradio.org. See you Saturday, just after Radio Chatskill and before Catskill Character. Okay, this is the local edition, and earlier today, uh, New York Governor Kathy Ockel presented a $227 billion state budget plan uh, that includes more money for schools and public transit and raises taxes on cigarettes. As Karen DeWitt reports, Hochul also put the spotlight on public safety, including another set of revisions to the state's controversial bail reform laws.
And uh, hopefully we have that story right now. Okay, uh, we don't. We're going to have to take another break. Sorry. It's that time of year again. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. President Joe Biden will deliver the State of the Union address Tuesday, but this time he'll do it before a new speaker and a deeply divided Congress. Biden is expected to discuss hopeful signs in the economy, support for Ukraine, and the recent string of gun violence. Stay with us for live coverage and analysis from NPR News. Tuesday night at 9 on Radio Catskill, your NPR station. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. If you hear good music, you're listening to Radio Catskill. Your weekend can't even begin until Clyde Alvin Yates III sets it off Saturday night at 7. At 9, an hour of global sounds from the African diaspora on Afropop. Then at 10, Selector Starkey and DJ Chuck spend four hours of funk, hip-hop, roots reggae, club classics, and more live on Old School Sessions. Saturday night, only on Radio Catskill. This groove is dangerous. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Okay, right now on a Wednesday evening, it's time for the latest in jobs in the economy. And for that, we turn once again to James B. Huntington for another edition of WorkShift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. All right, let's uh, start off with one of the big ongoing topics. Uh, uh, let's talk about interest rates. What happened today with interest rates? Well, the Fed raised them in its monthly, almost monthly effort one quarter of a percent that's lower than the three quarters it was doing over and over again in the second half of last year and less than the half percent it did before it's sort of a mid-range thing they're saying that there will be more increases they certainly expect them they can't really know that but they think it's most likely it's mm, a an indication that they don't think the inflation thing is solved, and it isn't really. It seems inflation seems to be going down. In fact, if you measure it, the past six months it's down to two percent most recently. So they're doing something. They're raising them a little more, but if the numbers keep coming in, dropping one percent a month on the inflation rate on the year-long inflation rate, you, you can expect them to stop after maybe only one more of these 25 hundredths increases. All right. Um, now, uh, uh, 
and looking at, at the workplace, um, uh, we got a couple stories about tipping, waitresses and tipping. And have the rules for tipping changed here in America? They are trying to change them. A lot of people are, whether they have or have not, really depends on personal habits. But we have the 15% sort of average standard, not <laughs> not consistently average, any waitress will tell you. But it's gone up to the point where people are talking about 20% as being more of a norm. We also have a lot of efforts to get tips for things that didn't call for them before, such as just buying things at a counter where you see a tip jar. And some people are talking about cultural pressure, feeling pressured, and a number of times I've picked up food at a restaurant or got it really in a non-table service situation. And when I put my credit card in, it asked me how much I want to tip. I, talking about me, I just don't tip in situations like that. I don't think it will hold up. The, the point in this article here, actually coming out from Fox Business, is that a lot of people are getting ticked off at the ever-expanding efforts to get them to tip. So it really may just not take. It's very defensible not to, because when you tip someone who's waiting on your table, they are getting a greatly reduced wage because they're tip eligible. That's not necessarily true for other people in the restaurant. People working at counters have... Mm minimum wages and wages that have been getting higher and higher. But um, the people waiting tables really need to have it to make their money. So it's it's not the same situation. Can I put you on the spot, Jim, and ask you what, what do you do if you go to get a to-go order at a place and then you pay them and then they, they there's that option to, to give a tip there? What do you do in that circumstance? I never tip. I tip for table service. I tip well for table service. I seem to get plenty good service consistently, and I tip 15 or 20%. I tip a little bit less if the bill is extra large. I think that breakfast waitresses and such should probably be tipped a higher percentage lunch a higher percentage than dinner because the bills are not so high right right that makes sense yeah i i was talking to a friend who doesn't you know go out as often and was surprised to see that people were asking for tips at a place just to tip pick up a to-go order i hadn't been thinking about it i don't i don't tip much in those circumstances but i was just like okay you know that's i i, I see this here this is what is this so you've given me uh, something to think about here but you know who at least at this point of human history you know who you never have to tip jim who uh robots actually <laughs> once again it's time for the latest on artificial intelligence and robots in the workplace we've got a few robot stories to get to here on robot watch exclusive to workshift live so we've been hearing a lot about chat GPT in the news. James, what is it and what has it been doing? Oh, it's an artificial intelligence program or tool that writes text 
and has been known to do very well for students recently over the last month or two when they're on their computers writing essay exams and such. They can just feed in the keywords and this chat GPT can generate something actually very good. A professor here tried to give it an assignment in MBA school and thought it was tremendously good, really. The response, he wanted to give it an A-plus if it were a human student. There are weaknesses. <laughs> it's not perfect. They describe a shockingly shabby ability to compute sixth-grade math. But coherent responses to analytical questions based on case studies, it can be very, very strong. So... I mean, academia is tied up in knots about this now. There have been emergency meetings over the last month of professors and departments and stuff. What are we going to do? There's talk about going back to oral exams in a lot of situations to make sure that the students know something, that it's all not being generated somehow. And, of course, this is just where it is now. Anybody who thinks it's going to be no better in a couple of years is asleep. Yeah, this is happening fast. And, you know, one of the things I point out here is, you know, for how, how many years, how many decades have people been talking about, um, you know, robots in the workplace, machines and automation replacing workers in the workplace. But they were thinking of more of like in terms of, say, uh, manufacturing jobs, labor type jobs. Now we see there's this uh, chat GPT. Well, that's uh, doing uh, a bit more of an, uh, an intelligent sort of job writing or there's artificial intelligence now that's uh, generating images. There's AI in art. That's another creative endeavor where we see that uh, people might just be able to push a button and get computer-generated creativity. That's a different uh, dynamic than people have been talking about for the last few decades. Much and much more. This chat GPT thing that recently happened really slammed something on the table saying, we are going somewhere with this. We have possible problems. We have great opportunities. Okay. There is there is a lot of talk in these articles that there has been saying it can't take over entire jobs, but you know what it can do is if I have a job and half of it is automatable and half of it requires my human touch, then why don't we combine my job with someone else's and I can do the human-related things and... Chat GPT can do the other half of our combined jobs, and the poor fish who had the other job is just going to be given his walking paper. Yeah, there's times that automation replaces an entire job. There's times that automation, we've seen this, and so technology for generations has been making jobs easier, and therefore you need less people to do them because they need to take less time to do it. Yes, and businesses are going to realize that they are leaving money on the table that they're giving their competitors an advantage if they're not leveraging this ability. And it's going to keep getting better. This could be accelerated. This 
it could be dramatically better in six months, say. Yeah. Just, yeah, do not assume that because we haven't had tools like this that have been so comprehensively good that we never will. It looks like we do right now. Okay, next up on Robot Watch, uh, in the notes here, I'm seeing a word that I don't think I ever wanted to see in conjunction with a segment about uh, robots and AI in the workplace. Terminator. What real-life Terminator things have robots been designed to do? I know what Terminator does. I hope robots aren't doing it. What, what's this about? Well, well, this is a new development, something that has been tested and works successfully over the last couple of months. And this is a shape-shifting robot that can liquefy itself and get out of a cage or something that's trapping it. <laughs> oh, man. So that that's a double whammy right there. Not only are there liquid metal transforming shape-shifting robots, but you can't even lock it up in a cage. Right. It's going to be hard here. That's. <laughs> I always thought the Terminator movies were hmm, good views, realistic views, potentially realistic views of some things that could happen if robots continue to develop. Mm -hmm. And this is one thing that it's working, at least in a laboratory. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm looking. I, 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 I just had to Google this while we're talking, and I'm seeing some of the images here. This is uh, it's literally right out of a sci-fi movie. Okay. Yes, the USA Today had the article that I'm looking at right now, and it came out on the 28th. My goodness. Okay, well, let's wrap up our robot watch now by asking the big question, how smart are robots getting with all of that we've talked about? How intelligent are they? Well, I trust some of our listeners have heard of the Turing test. Yeah. It's a classic one named after Alan Turing that about 70 years ago, actually. And his task for robots, conceptually more than in real life back around 1950, was can you have a conversation with one and not know it's a robot? Think that it's just as likely to be a person or... It is a person talking with you in some ways. A computer that has, or a robot that can do that with you is said to have passed the Turing test. It is subjective. You and I and everyone may have different standards as far as what they'll believe yeah. and not, but it's looking like they're absolutely blowing past that as a benchmark, that it's already very common. The language, especially with the natural language processors and things like the chat GPT, we are seeing things that mm, indicate robots are often going to be indistinguishable from human correspondence. Mm. Well, there you go. That is that is the test. So that's a big indicator, We're and getting it may there. be going way past. We may be blowing right past it right around now. Wow! Well, wow! Well, 
Well, that's it for Robot Watch here on WorkShift Live. James, before we go, we've got just one minute. Is one minute enough to give us uh, the latest on some of the basic stock uh, oil, precious metal prices? Yes, I have. Today's closes and comparisons with three weeks ago, because that's the last time I wrote them down. <laughs> Gold is 1952, and three weeks it's up about $75. Silver, 2401, up 60 cents in the three weeks. That's significant, but it's not the same percentage as gold. The Dow gained 120. It's had ups and downs, but importantly, it held on to its early January strength. And NASDAQ is actually doing quite a bit better. Oil, 76.89, down 71 cents. That's really hanging out in the high 70s, not going anywhere. The real surprise is Bitcoin. It's up over $6,000. It looked like it was going down the drain yeah. for a while there, 16000 17000 It's just closed, or it just, I don't know, I think it ever really closes as such, but... An hour ago, it was 23,738. Wow. So I don't know what's behind that. I'm, I mean, I'm a little skeptical about why it's doing this. But, you know, it, it, may, be, it may just be a case of a paper-thin market where not that many people are really buying or selling it. And so trades get outsized important. Foreign currencies all went up today. Mm. They were happy about the interest rate being lower they thought well might not be bad to buy pounds which went up two cents and some dollar 24 euros up to a dollar 10 it just seemed like yesterday they were less than a dollar a piece all right that's good james we're gonna have to go because we're down to the last 10 seconds here but i want to thank you for joining us for work shift live i want to thank you listener for listening this is wjff jeffersonville w233ah monticello